everybody, and welcome to another episode of Horror Haven Podcast. I'm Sierra. I'm Dylan. I'm Erica. And tonight we're doing part two to our Stephen King episode. We'll be discussing the movies Carrie, It, and Secret Window. We also have a surprise later on in the episode, so make sure you listen. Well, you snap like they're going to fucking see it. I snap my fingers, just so you know. Uh, before we get into this episode, we are going to bring up the... Um, release of the new it movie um we're i think we're all kind of excited to see it um also very hesitant on it on how we're going to feel about it um obviously they're making major changes um first off being the look of pennywise very different um but i think we're all gonna try and go in with an open mind to try and appreciate whatever it is that they choose to do in this film yeah by the time this episode comes out the movie will be out so and we will already have seen it (laughs) so we'll have more of an idea but um my biggest worry about it and it's from what i've seen in the trailers like there's so much cgi and it's like unnecessary cgi where it's like you have pennywise like just standing there but he's like cgi'd in it's like why why do you have to do this (laughs) uh i think I think at the end of the day, um, you know, we're horror fans. We were going, we, we're going to go in wanting to like it. Yeah. So I think that's going to give it some sort of leeway for us because we're going to try to like it, like find something good about it, regardless. Um, I do agree with Dylan. I see the the trailer. A lot of CGI looks very cheap and cheesy, which I wish that they avoided. I really prefer when they do practical effects. But hopefully, maybe the movie will see something different. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't want to sound negative too, but like, there's so much hype around it. I feel like any time a horror movie's coming out and there's Hyped a lot of like hype that. around it, it's not, it's, it's, it's bad. Like, for example, I remember when they remade Nightmare on Elm Street, and oh everybody was like, "You have to see it. It's so fucking good." And I love Nightmare on Elm Street, so I was like, really, I was really hesitant on going to see it. I forgot. And everybody's like you have to go see it. And I'm like, finally, I was like, all right, you know what? If it's getting this much like recognition, I'll go. And I was like, totally let down. super disappointed with it. But I am going to go in with an open mind and kind of expect, a, like expect it to be not as great. And hopefully I'm surprised by Listen, it. Listen, if Tim Curry is ready to accept that somebody else is playing the role of Pennywise, and he knows that they're taking a different take on it, and he's still like, "All right, we're gonna give this a go. It's gonna be good. We can do the same." Yeah, I'm not all. I'm not one of those like nobody can touch Tim Curry's role. I'm not one of those people. It's a different take on it. I'm not gonna compare the two. Like Tim- you are going, you are going to compare the two though, because nah. that's what you do every time you go see a movie. You're like, "Oh, this one was not." It doesn't matter. Let's get into the episode. It's the night of the senior prom. The Bates High School gym is alive with excitement. Everybody is there, even Carrie White, the girl no one likes. We're all sorry about this incident, Cassie. It's Carrie! And everyone makes fun of her. The girl who lives in that creepy house with her crazy mother. See the sin of her days and ways. Show her that if she had remained sinless, the curse of blood would never have come on her. The girl with the strange power. If I concentrate hard enough, I can move things. But tonight, no one will laugh at Carrie. You don't have a date for the prom next Friday. Would you like to go with me? She's with the best-looking boy in the senior class. He's trying to trick me again. 
she'll be voted queen of the prom. You know, I can make sure that you don't hurt Carrie White anymore. For Carrie, it will be a dream come true. For everyone else, it will be a nightmare. All right, so we're going to start off by talking about the movie Carrie that was released in 1976. It's directed by Brian De Palma. It was written by Stephen King. The book was written, but the screenplay was done by Lawrence D. Cohen. Our main characters are Carrie, played by Sissy Spacek, who's a babe. We got Margaret White, played by Piper Laurie. Sue Snell, Amy Irving, which was the nice of the mean girls. Tommy Ross, played by William Catt, and Billy Nolan by John Travolta. And then, of course, Chris, the bitch of the, the movie, played by Nancy Allen. Starts out with a girl in gym class who is, the girl, they're like getting dressed to go to their next class. And uh, Carrie, <sighs> Carrie is going through puberty at school. And she has no clue what's happening to her because she thinks she's dying. And all the girls make fun of her. And that's like the beginning of it. These girls tease her throughout the movie. They make fun of her. Um, the one girl, Amy, is that her? No, that's her real name, Sue. She, uh, she feels really bad for the way that she treats Carrie and she ends up convincing her boyfriend to take her out to prom and wants her like wants her to have a sincerely good time. But the girl Chris, who's like does not care, she's self-centered, her and John Travolta are assholes. She is determined to ruin Carrie's night, pours pig blood all over her, and then Carrie gets the ultimate revenge and telekinetically kills everyone, which is awesome. Um, but that's the main gist of the movie. Um, also, not forgot to mention that her Carrie's brought up very religious. Her mother's like psycho-religious and um, pushes a lot of um, religion on her and makes her pray her sins away, uh, which she tells her that getting her period is a sin, which is kind of cruel. So. Well, I think like what she said to her was that she got it because she had sinned. Like, had she not sinned, she would she never get it. She wouldn't have gotten it. Yeah, yeah, which isn't you know, obviously That's not true. Not true. <laughs> obviously, like, I'm pretty sure everyone gets that at some point. Not to go too deep into womanly problems. Um, anyway, the budget on this movie was what is that like? Eighty thousand. Right? Million. Oh no, 1. I thought it was eighty thousand. One point eight million dollars, and it grossed thirty-three million over thirty-three million dollars. So, I mean, that's great for the 70s. Oh, yeah. Holla. Going back to Carrie's mom a little bit, it's funny because uh, doing, like, research on the episode, I found that in order to make her seem crazier than she was, they had her, like, reciting Bible verses that weren't even actual Bible verses. They were just, like, made up. Or, yeah, like, none of the Bible yeah. verses in the, the movie were at all real. They were all fake. Um, they explained... The, the, one of the explanations on this was that uh, they... She read from Genesis or something, Genesis part three or chapter three, whatever. Yeah. And it's actually the story of Adam and Eve and what she was telling her was it was like not at all. It was like not sex. at all what happened, yeah. It was it was about sex and which it wasn't, it was about the forbidden fruit, which I guess like in a way, um, the crucifix esque thing statue in the closet was also not a crucifix. It was Saint Sebastian. Was that the one with Ronnie James Dio? Yeah, Ronnie James Dio. It was actually Saint. It was actually Saint Sebastian, who was a real saint. He died in the Roman times, the when the Roman Empire was um, killing Christians. So that's when he was killed. It was like 600 BC or AD or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like it was like very beginning. Um, <clears throat> there's actually a lot of really interesting facts with this movie, and this movie does pay a lot of homage 
to um, a very specific horror movie that everybody knows uh, pays a lot of homage to Psycho. Um, the name of the high school is Bates High, which is directly from Bates. You know, yeah. um, and also there's a, a, a sound that you're gonna hear throughout the movie while watching it, and it's usually when Carrie's using her powers, and it's like this. <laughs> it's the music from Psycho, and I knew I recognized it. Uh, it's like that high-pitched violin um, note. And that is, it's the music from Psycho, and the director didn't realize it was the music from Psycho when he used it, and he found out before he released it, and he's like, no, if it's too well, I'm not taking it out. <laughs> so, yeah. Was there copyright infringements? No, that? they were totally cool with it. It was Pretty fine. Cool. It was awesome. Um, another thing, um, there's a lot of really fun stuff. I think my favorite fact that I came across while watching this is that Sissy Spacek would go into theaters when Carrie came out in theaters, she would go into theaters for like the last 10, 5, 10 minutes of the movie just to see how people reacted to Carrie at the end. And she would go in and do this constantly in New York. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. She loved to see how people reacted to Carrie. Um, while preparing for her role, she, de she decorated her um, dressing room in like really religious imagery. And she like kind of secluded herself from the rest of the cast and like, you know, whatever. And then she also studied what is it, body language of people that have been stoned. Like, not stoned, like high, yeah. like stoned to death. So, um, and that's, she always started a scene out by a pose like that, or ended a scene like that. So I thought that was really interesting. There's a lot of really fun stuff with this It's always movie. interesting to me how, like, different actors approach roles, and, like, yeah. kind of, like, the things that they do to, like, prepare themselves for roles and like uh, you do hear a lot of people like seclusion and I, it's it's so strange because like you see you see movies and you see how actors portray these different characters and it's crazy how much things like something as simple as seclusion can really change a person and yeah. like well, I mean look at like Heath Ledger in the dark night yeah. like he secluded himself he kept the journal as the Joker and like yeah, like you you're taking tell, on yeah. the yeah. I mean, I'm ultimately you're taking on these these I, characters and like you're trying to make them feel as real as as you can, and it's just like it's so amazing, like the things that you're willing to like mentally put yourself through to like fulfill a role. It's well, cool. it's funny too because on the other hand, you have um, Piper Laurie who played Margaret White, and she felt that her, what they wanted her to do as her character was outrageous. She thought that her character came across comical and not realistic at all. Yeah, she and thought that day, the movie was like she a comedy. Thinks, yeah, she thinks the movie's a dark comedy. To this day, she's watched it and she still is like, this isn't a horror movie, this is a joke. So, <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny how like, they're, like, they told her to overact it, like be really crazy and she did it, but she was not pleased. Um, so I found the coolest bit of research on this movie and I hope nobody else found it because I'm so excited to say it. Um, Amy Irving... I think it's Amy Irving, and um, Kat, William Cat, who played Tommy Ross, were they originally tried out for Luke and Leia in Star Wars. Really? Yeah. That's funny because I read that S Sissy Spacek, there was like a rumor that Sissy Spacek was trying out for um, Princess Leia, and that... She may have also tried out, but this is the only one that I found. Yeah, I, what I read, there was a rumor, and it was, con it was like Carrie Fisher tried out for the role of Carrie, and Sissy Spacek tried out for the role of Princess Leia because they held the auditions together for Star Wars and for they were like Carrie. Yeah. And um, the rumor was that Carrie Fisher 
turned down the role of Carrie because she didn't want to appear nude in a film. Carrie Fisher later came out and said, I don't give a fuck. I love being nude. Like, I, I do it. Um, I'm pretty sure that, 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 that that's, not, that's not accurate because what I had found is that um, originally Sissy Spacek was not Carrie. Actually, um, Amy Irving was offered the role of Carrie. Yeah. And then... Sissy Spacek's husband was involved in the movie and convinced um, Brian De Palma, like, hey, you've got to check out Sissy Spacek for this role. She's going to be doing much better. So then Brian De Palma had to take Amy Irving and be like, I'm sorry. I'm going to bump you down. You're still going to have an important role in the movie, but it's not going to be the main role. Like, how, how shitty is that? Yeah, but I wonder if that played, like, some kind of, like, psychological, like, turmoil that fed into that, like that chemistry between them in the movie. Well, I know that a lot of the time... Okay, so you know the scene when... Um, the scene where the gym teacher has all the girls in the gym and she's, like, basically, like, scalding them for what they did yeah. to her? And she's giving them punishment. They had... Brian De Palma was, like, off-screen saying horrible things to Amy Irving so that she had a sincere look of grief and sadness. Like, really fucked up things, I guess. It didn't say specifically what he was saying, but he said it was very awful to get, like, a sincere look of grief and, and like, apologetic. Yeah, like, a, that, um, that feeling. So, I, they did, they definitely filmed in um, interesting ways So what this makes, movie. So, what makes this movie interesting is this was the first Stephen King adaption from book to film. Which is insane, because to us, Stephen King is an icon, and at this point, he was not. Yeah, and this is what really cemented him as, like, an icon for horror writing, and really, like, put him, <coughs> put him like, his name out there as mm -hmm. a writer. And he was so, like, not known at the time that the first trailer for this they movie, the they spelled his name, name wrong, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, but he was actually, um, this movie is one of... His favorite of his adaptations of his movies. Well, he even said too. He even said too that like they changed the ending from the book, and he actually preferred the movie. Yeah, he, there was actually a comment of him saying that the movie's better than his book. And it's funny too because I don't want to go into the. Uh, I read the book. I don't want to go into the remake of this movie too much. I'll save that for another episode. But there's parts to the remake, specifically at the end, that I thought were like really cheesy and like not really that great and it turns out that those were all parts that were going to be in the original but they were cut either due to budget or because they couldn't get it to look the way they wanted it to so like um at the end carrie's house being like torn down by stones falling from the sky that was supposed to be in the movie originally um a when gas station getting blown up by carrie's psychic powers that was originally going to be in there but it was cut due to budget budgeting reasons. issues yeah. Um, when I saw the part at the end, like, and I've seen Carrie a thousand times, but it's like, you know, when you rewatch it, especially for the reasons that we do rewatch them, you, you, you dissect it. <laughs> and I'm like watching it and I'm seeing her house start to crumble and I'm like, you know what this reminds me of? Rose Red with the stones. Mm. There's a lot of, there's a lot of like themes in Stephen King's work that Especially he repeats. The, the Shining. Not, not even The Shining, but like, like no, I pointed no, it out. No, not The Shining, the movie, like the, the, the. Oh, the, the, the yeah, the yeah, power. The Shining. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like I had mentioned to Ciro when we were watching, like, almost all of his stories, not every single one, but a majority of them, they involve, like, a writer. Like, there's The Shining, there's It with Bill, he's the writer. Um, Secret Window. Secret Window. There's probably more if we really sat down and thought about it. There was, because I had a bunch of examples. But they're, yeah, like, they're, they're all movies that involve a writer. Another thing is they focus on families. 
they focus on telekinetic powers in a lot of them, or or any kind of psychic powers. That's what he yeah. refers to as the shining, and and um, you know, and and you see similar imagery repeated throughout movies as well. Yeah, I, I it's think it's like a Disney movie. I think <laughs> little spoilers. Yeah, I think what always makes Easter it Easter eggs. Yeah, I think what always makes it like a Stephen King movie though is like the focus on characters. Like mm-hmm. every Stephen King movie or book or whatever his stories. Like, they have such a focus on the characters that there's never a time where you don't feel a connection to the characters. Yeah, his character and, development is, uh, yeah. is on point. Always. And, I mean, with this movie, for example, um, this is one of the only movies that I've watched multiple, multiple times. And every time, I am, like, praying that for some reason, way, shape, or form, the ending is different. Because it's like, you grow to love these characters, and it's like, you don't want to see Carrie get hurt, and you feel terrible. So, like, watching it again, you're like, I just want everything to be okay, and it's, every time. Like, every time, and I I feel the same way, like, when I watch them, and you can see, like, they show it, like, 15 times in the prom scene, like, the, the bucket just... Like inching, 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 inching. And you're like, please don't do this to Carrie. She doesn't deserve <laughs> it. What did she do to you besides get her period and not know what was happening? Like, what did she do to you? Like, back up, leave her alone, don't make her kill you. And it's like, on one hand, you're like, Carrie, you really shouldn't have killed all those people. But they were really fucked up. And you know what, though? She left Tommy Ross, and he was so nice to her. He was so sweet to her. Yo, the bucket. Okay, can we just discuss how he got completely wrecked out by, an by a bucket. fucking bucket? Like, <laughs> it, it like barely hit. It, it reminds me. There's like a like a fucking one of those stupid viral videos on Facebook that go around, and it they're in like I don't know if they're in like uh, the House of Representatives or like Parliament or something, and the lady's like sitting there, and one of the other like representative walks up and like goes like this, like brushes her head, and she throws herself on the floor like the woman like punched her out of her chair, and that's exactly what I thought of when I saw, when that. saw that. Like, and, and I've seen like you guys, I've seen Carrie <clears throat> a ton of times, and every time I'm just like, how the fuck did he get taken? He got knocked. The it fuck was actually out a lead bucket. bucket. <laughs> um, I I love the end. Like I feel like this movie the last like 20 minutes of it are what made it so iconic just the way it was filmed because i mean it set up this story throughout the movie but after the prom scene it takes off it takes off and i feel like that's like anytime i think of carrie instantly the prom scene pops in my head with the bucket falling her getting covered yeah. in blood that's i mean i always you think can about Goog- the first scene you can google yeah the shower you can room. google carrie and like every picture that comes up is, is her, her covered, covered in blood. blood. Yeah, she looked like a babe too at prom, and I felt real bad that her dress got. Oh my god! Wait, let's talk about her mom saying dirty pillows. <laughs> Listen, Marshall went around for the rest of the night talking about fucking dirty, dirty pillows. He was like, "Did she really say that?" Your like, dirty yes, pillows are showing. You're like, what the fuck? But I mean, <laughs> sorry, Dylan, I had to bring it up. You just you just see like a shift in tone after that bucket falls and. Like, I brought it up in past episodes. I love the use of color. And, like, this predates mm-hmm. Suspiria by a year. And he, I got that feeling. It already exactly. had red. It yeah. has, like, the red, but then it, like, shifts to, like, the blues. Blue. Yeah. And, like, the color shifts were great. And it just made it so eerie. Like, yeah. that whole scene where, like, the hose comes out and starts spraying people and they're all locked in. Like, it was such a creepy scene. Mm-hmm. And I... Sissy Spacek, like, she, yeah, she goes from, like... Beautiful, no, like beautiful to like terrifying, Mm -hmm. like absolutely fucking terrifying. But then she goes home, she washes the butt off, and then the way that that's that shot too, 
I think it's such a great shot when uh, her mom stabs her and she falls on the stairs and her mom's like coming down the stairs and it's like the bottom view of the stairs and her mom like towering over the camera. It's such a great fucking shot. Um, the thing, something that I, I found really horrible in this movie was um, Chris and Billy Nolan, which is John Travolta. I love John Travolta. I love John Travolta, but like they were like assholes they were like, for dicks. no reason. They were so horrible in this movie and I think it's funny because um, after watching and like reading up on the movie a bit, um, Nancy Allen, who played Chris, she did not realize that they were bad characters. She thought that because of how stupid they were, and like how, like they're bickering, you know, like you know how like John Travolta and her were yeah. was bickering in the car, and it was like really just ridiculous arguments. She thought that they were comic relief in the movie. She didn't realize that they were like as evil as she came across. She just thought like their character development and like the way that they were so self-absorbed just came out funny. So when she saw the movie, she felt really bad. Yeah, I, I love I, how many times she gets bitch slapped. Like the yes. teacher, the teacher slaps her, and then like the next scene, John Travolta slaps her. I'm like, he slapped her like three times. <laughs> Yo, and but the use, the use of that, the slap noise is yeah. what makes it though, because you get that like that whip noise like yeah. as he hits her. You know what's really funny about John Travolta in this movie? Um, when he tried out for this movie, when he auditioned, he was filming another film. I can't remember the name of it. I have a feeling it was a disco one, though. But he was Saturday filming, Night Fever? No, it wasn't Saturday Night Fever. It was, you know him. He, everything he is is slightly disco. But he, uh, he was filming another movie, and he actually showed up to his audition still in his character. Like, like just really? as his character. <laughs> yeah. So he auditioned for this movie just as his other character. Um, I think that this movie, um, honestly created a path for a lot of horror movies especially like literally like when you think horror especially like books and writers like Stephen King without this movie getting the recognition it got like the them wanting to to, to turn Carrie into a movie we might not have all the Stephen King Stephen novels King, we have exactly. we might not have like all of this like we, we may, maybe we wouldn't, we wouldn't have it or The Shining or Secret Window or uh, you know, Pet Cemetery, any of those movies. This is the first one. This is his first novel to be turned into a movie. Like, that's huge. And he's one of the most influential horror writers out there. And to think that if this one movie didn't get made, who knows where, where Stephen King would end up? Would we recognize his name? You know, would he be a household name? Maybe not. And that's, that's crazy. Like, this literally, like, paved the way for him. I think this movie, too, like, for me, and Dylan touched on it, was was we've all been a huge fan of the use of, of color in yeah. films. And we've talked about it since we did <coughs> the Witches episode. And we've touched on it. And like Dylan said, it was, it was the way that they used it was so well done. And, like, they jumped between, like, the red and the blue. Mm -hmm. But... The use of the split screen, I yes. thought, yeah. was so. It was original. It was really original, and it kind of gave you like, almost like a comic feel, yeah. like almost like a um, like a graphic novel or something mm. like that. So it, you have these frames, and you're seeing all these different things happen, and it was a little like, it was a little um, like muddled. Like it was a little busy for me, mm -hmm. like visually. But it didn't take away from anything. So, like, looking at it, it like, the there was another scene, too, that I felt that way. It was when they were dancing. They were slow dancing. And the camera's, like, kind of, like, underneath them. And they're spinning. Okay. And I got very, like, it was, like, a really overwhelming. There's, like, so much glitter. Mm -hmm. And everything's, like, moving. And it's just, like, it that, that shot, like, when you're watching it and, like, I couldn't imagine watching that in theaters. I think I probably would have gotten sick because sitting in the living room, I was like, Jesus Christ. That scene is really interesting because the way that they went about doing that is they put um, 
they put Sissy Spacek and um, uh, William Cat up on a pedestal that rotated. So while the they were dancing in the the pedestal was rotating one direction, they had the camera and they were spinning from the other direction. So that's why it's so trippy yeah. to watch. I love the there's a scene too right around there where um, the plan's going to motion to like make Carrie the prom queen and it's like a continuous shot and it goes from like that those characters like over to the stage underneath the stage goes up the stage so you to see the bucket. everything yeah. you and see it's like everything you, one, see, you see the plan come together but like, it's awesome. one continuous shot yeah. it's not like cutting in between scenes like it's a continuous shot and I, I thought that that was really great I think I could be wrong on this but I'm pretty sure I read that originally the entire prom, prom scene, scene was, was split the split yeah. the split screen yeah but yeah. they changed it they changed it they when he wa- went back and watched it um Brian De Palma he was, didn't like it, and it ended up taking him six hours to cut the prom scene down to what he wanted it to. I be. don't think I would have. I don't think I would have appreciated it that. It would have been that, too. Much. I think it would have been yeah, too chaotic. Yeah, had he not done it like that, and I think that it's just it's just such an interesting take. Yeah. Because I mean, it's really showing you. It, it's it's like almost like it's showing you different. It's obviously showing you different perspectives, but you're really getting like without doing like separate frames for everything. You're really getting to see like an overall like the devastation that she's causing. And it's like, I think the scene that was the hardest for me, though, was um, the gym teacher because, like, she worked, like, so hard to, like, protect Carrie Carrie and kind of, like, look over her. And And then Carrie kills her. Yeah, like, be this, like, motherly figure to her. This is the only adaption of the story of Carrie because it's been remade twice in the book. This is the only adaption where the gym teacher actually dies. Really? Every other adaption of, like, the movies or um, in the book, Carrie lets her live. Because she was nice to Carrie. Um, I think um, back with a split screen, I, th- I think that it was a good choice to wait until Carrie started using her telekinetic powers. Um, because I feel like it, it crea- creates this like feeling of like chaos and, and mm-hmm. havoc that it wouldn't have had if you just did it as a, sin- as a single wide shot. Um, because it, it, it gives you like... This per- these kids are trying to run to this door, these kids are trying to run to that door, well, the firewalls yeah. are spraying down these kids, and, you know, you see all of this stuff happening at the once, chaos. and it creates it, it makes it feel more devastating than yeah. it actually was. And you, know, you are like feeling that crazy. chaos with and it. And you're, yeah, it gives you almost anxiety watching it, because you're like, oh my god, nobody's gonna be able well, to get out. Well, you pointing that out, it really, it's almost like, um, like you're saying, like, it's it's giving you that physical feeling of the chaos mm-hmm. that they're kind of experiencing. Exactly. And I think it's just because it's overwhelming to watch, it because is. you're trying to focus, your mind's so used to, like, focusing focusing on like one or two things that when you're trying to focus on like two different things and there's like multiple things going on in each of those two frames it's like holy shit like it's getting real another uh another scene that was shot interestingly that i thought and i wouldn't have noticed this i don't think i would have noticed this if i didn't read it but the ending scene where sue is walking to the white house when it's like destroyed and she's going to put flowers on carrie's grave they actually no it's not the grave it's the or the for sale sign yeah but um, they actually shot it in reverse and then played it in reverse, I guess. Like, so they, she was, like, walking backwards, actually. In re- huh. But um, And you can tell because the, the one car goes like this. Yeah, the car, should be going that's like the that. only way you can really tell is there's a car in the background that's moving backwards, backwards. when you watch. Mm-hmm. But they did it to that. make, like, a surreal feeling Kind to of it. feeling yeah. to it. That's I liked Amy. I like that she, like took what the teacher had told her seriously and realized that she was wrong for what she did. And it paid off in the end because she got out. But I, I also like, so for me, and I don't know if I'm the only one on this, for for me with Amy's character, it took up until like actually like seeing 
seeing the seeing her try and um like where she's actually seeing and like putting together what they're doing that it it was like oh she's not she's actually being sincere because like when she even though she like she talks to the gym teacher about it she doesn't it and, like, explain it well and she sees yeah like, she's you get this tell. feeling from her like she's doing all of this to be malicious yeah and it's not until you actually see her reaction to seeing what's about to happen to Carrie that you're like oh shit like she really wasn't fucking around like this is her this is sincere this is like she really was trying to be a better person and she was trying to help Carrie and it's like I think as soon as Tommy went to Carrie's house and was like so insistent on it I think that's the moment that I knew that it was sincere because Tommy like even when they started making fun of her in English class he stood up for her in the English class when the teacher started making fun of him so I knew like I'm like Tommy like Tommy's character that that wouldn't be what he would do he would not purposely hurt Carrie after standing up for her to a teacher yeah you know what I mean I which bums me out. Why did Tommy have to die? I, I think the end, <laughs> I think the ending was interesting too because it kind of shows that like it, it kind of shows that even the people who survived, like Sue for example, were still like fucked, fucked from up. This because yeah, yeah. she was having like nightmares to the point where she was like in bed screaming and like yeah. it, it just She's the only survivor of the rest of the high school. I would have liked to see and I, I haven't read the book. I own the book. I have not read it. I also own a first edition copy of it somewhere. So do we. One of the other things too, like with Carrie is, uh, and I said, like, I, I haven't read the book, but I'm really interested in kind of getting more of like a little bit of a backstory on her dad because her dad had the same power. Prequel, please. You know? Yeah, that's And true. I like, did, did the mother like kill him? I mean, she, she was not very like, it, once she realized that Carrie was as powerful as she was, she didn't fucking hesitate at all to fucking. No, she jab waited. Her. I might have explained it in the book, but we. You know what I mean? Book, yeah. yeah. So like, I guess we're shitty people. I read the um, first three chapters of the book. But I'm saying, like, you know, I I would be really interested to kind of see, like, did did the dad get off, yeah. or like, did he just like he was like, yo, you're too Christian and crazy for me. I'm out and like pack his shit and hit the road. Like, yeah. what happened there? So many questions. Sissy Spacek is seriously an amazing actor. Like, seriously. Like, she's gorgeous. That scene, she really is. The scene when when she got home, she's like, why didn't you tell me, Mama? Why didn't you tell me? And she's like, and her mom's like screaming at her, like, repeat after me. Like, say say the prayer. Like, pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for your womanhood. Like, pray, like, mm-hmm. pray your sins away. And she's like, no, Mama, no. It's like so emotional, yeah. but like you can feel it. Like, she's being turned into a... Uh, uh, a bad guy and she did nothing and it's like yeah she, she, she's being she made it too she's, yeah. yeah but she's still like she's there's still part of her that's like she's listening to her mother and she's hearing and she's uh i'm a and sinner closet, i'm evil yeah. i'm an evil i'm just, and then she comes out of the closet after being totally abused by her mother verbally locked in a closet like thank you mama when she comes out, that's the first thing she says. Thank you, Mama. No, this movie—it's it, hands down extremely well done. It is. It's a fantastic uh, movie, beginning to end. It really great is. imagery, like, great acting. Like, no, not a single actor was bad. The worst, and you know, you got a good movie when the worst actor is John Travolta. My yeah, but my only complaint was that he—he's usually really spot on with like accents and stuff like that. He had the shittiest accent in yeah. this movie, and I don't know, like it'd be just, funny like, if we found out it was his real accent. Right? It's actually how he talks. He didn't use one. No, it was like that was the only complaint that I had character-wise was that I just like I was like, dude, what the fuck? You want to get into ratings? Let's get into ratings. Um, Erica, 
It's her favorite movie. She goes first. Erica, go it first. It is. So I, I am not like one of those like, I, I have, I have nostalgic memories about movies that I watch, but they're kind of like few and far between. It's not like I'm not a very sentimental person when it comes to to things like films, and the ones that I have are like. I don't want to say they're garbage, but like <laughs> a lot of my sentimental films, you're like you you're gonna listen to eventually and be like, dude, what the fuck? Like <laughs> that's the one that stuck out for you. Um, but Carrie Carrie was a big one. Um, my dad let us watch it, and it was like I, honest to God, I had a fear of telekinesis. Like I thought that it was way it was like the quicksand for me. <laughs> like you thought it happened way more than it actually does. So I, I had like this unnatural fear of, of people like having telekinetic powers. Like, was I going to get burnt at school? Like what was going to happen? That was my dream. Um, <laughs> I wanted to be Carrie as a kid. No, like it was just like this movie like scared the shit out of me because I was like, it, it had nothing to do with like the fact that she was like being bullied or like her mom scared the fuck out of me. And like just seeing like. When you're a kid and you're seeing like watching this and you're seeing like how this adult is reacting to somebody like obviously she was much older than I was at that that age but you're like holy shit like this is crazy and like this could really happen to people and then like you see her powers and you're like is this like you're little you don't know like is this real so like quicksand and telekinetic powers I'm telling you I thought those things were two anomalies that happened way more than I think they really do but um, this movie just absolutely scared the shit out of me as a kid. I, I it just like, I, I can't even describe, like, I think it was just like a combination of like, you're seeing her and she's like soaked in blood. And that is the one thing that like stuck in my mind through everything is like, here she is. She literally looks fucking possessed. Like and she, she like, her eyes, eyes and her eyes, like they just, you feel them in your soul. Like she's got these fucking insane eyes and she's covered in blood and she's just fucking burning shit. And she's just like, shit's blown up and there's fire hoses and like people are dying. And she's just like, she looks deranged, but she also has this like sense of peace about her. Like she's finally just like realized like, Oh, this is it. Like, so talk about anger management, right? This is one of my faves. Uh, rewatching it now. Uh, it's kind of um, rewatching it and then like putting it in perspective with movies that we've watched and knowing a lot of the ratings that I've given other movies that we've watched and basing it solely on like horror. Like, is this really like, is it, it, it obvious to me, it's a horror movie. It, oh, yeah. it is. Um, but does it have the same effect on me now that it did then? And going through all that, I'm going to give this. A 9.5, because I love this movie. <laughs> you go, Erica. Then give it whatever rating you feel. Who wants to go next? You. Me. All right. Carrie. Um, I watched this movie for the first time. I was probably, like, maybe six or seven. And I watched it with my cousin Amber, which is Erica's best buddy. She is. And this is definitely before I knew about any of the womanly stuff. So this kind of this kind of taught me Thanks. everything I needed to know. And I hoped that I'd get telekinetic powers, but I didn't. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. You don't become telekinetic when you hit puberty. Yeah, uh, no. It didn't Sad. happen for me. Maybe for you, but not for me. Um, no, I love this movie, and I think that um, Sissy Spacek is seriously maybe the most beautiful person to ever walk the face of this earth. 
And a totally skilled act- actress can put any emotion in her eyes. She's a babe. Like, Dylan, she, don't uh, her eyes. She's gorgeous. She's not gorgeous, Dylan? No, but I'm not. No, I just always have to mention when they're pretty. But she is. She's beautiful. And um, Margaret Wright White was fucking scary as shit. She was. And I didn't know a lot of religious people growing up, so I think it was really, sh- like, really shocking to me. Yeah. Because um, I've never met anybody quite like that until later in my life. Um, I don't know, Carrie, it's a classic, you know, and, and I think that although it might not scare us out of our socks now, when I was a kid it did, and, and I always have memories of it being terrifying, um, and I feel bad for Carrie, and, and she's kind of the protagonist and the antagonist. It's kind of, it, it's weird how, how she makes that shift, um, but I'm going to give this movie a uh, nine. I wouldn't say that this is one of my favorites. But I do enjoy it, and it's one of those movies... I think it's interesting because you could take the psychic powers out of this movie, and it would still be an interesting movie. Yeah, but how she, how would Hold she... Up. How would she make the... Picture this as a fucking slasher and tell me it wouldn't be badass. Here she is in her prom dress. She's covered in blood and she's like, fuck it. Is she really and a she chainsaw? Just, yes. yes! And she's just sawing bitches or a machete... Or she lifts up the dress and she's got an AR leg. You don't know. And she just mowing fuckers down. This movie could be fucking awesome. We're going to remake it. We're remaking this as like a Quentin Tarantino knockoff. It's going to be awesome. But it's interesting. And the the way they went about filming it uh, in certain parts that I mentioned before, I did enjoy it quite a bit. Um, I, I wouldn't say that it's by any means scary, but... I don't. I just was never really like scared by it. I would consider it a horror movie for sure. But I do enjoy it. It is a great movie. I'm gonna give it a seven point six. What the fuck? Say it. Say it to him. Dylan. You just broke our souls in half, you piece of shit. What did you give us here? Nine. Fucking seven point six up in here. What is this? The fucking secret window? If you give secret window higher, Dylan, I'm throwing you over your own fucking banister. Oh yeah. You're going to film a horror movie tonight, right, guys. So that gives an average rating of an 8.7. I think that's fair. It is. That's a fair 8. rating. 8.7. Like, as much as you're we'll a douche right it. now, we'll take it. But <laughs> So we asked you guys on Instagram what you would rate this movie out of a 10, and the average rating was a 9.2. You guys had some positive, great things to say about it, so thank you for your input. The only thing that matters is the ending. It's the most important part of the story. And this one is very good. This one is perfect. All right, next we're going to talk about Secret Window, which was released in 2004. Um, This movie was directed by David Coep. Is that how you say it? Coep? I don't know. Uh, The book was written by Stephen King. Screenplay was written by the director. Um, it starred Johnny Depp, John Turturro, Maria Bello, and Timothy Hutton. Um, this movie follows a writer, Mort Rainey, uh, who's recently separated from his wife, who cheated on him. Uh, he's living in a cabin in the middle of the woods when a gentleman named John Shooter, is it John Shooter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Shooter comes claiming that he stole his story, The Secret Window. His dog gets killed, he starts getting threats. Uh, he threatens to kill his wife, kind of stalks him, and then you find out that John Shooter doesn't exist. It's part of Johnny Depp's, or Mort Rainey's, it's in his mind, 
and he uh, tries to kill his wife and all sorts of things because he's crazy and angry. Um, I like this movie. I thought it was um, I thought it was really fun, and I understand why IMDb did not do a really thorough thing about it because then it would ruin the whole movie. Give it away, yeah. I didn't like John Shooter. Like he was, I don't know. He annoyed me, like his accent. But a thing that is interesting is that he was played by um, John Turturro. And he originally didn't want to take the role. He was going to take it, but his son was a huge Stephen King fan. So he was like, please, please take this role for me. So he did. So this movie was based on Stephen King's... It wasn't even a novella. It was in a book called... um, So it's a short story. It was called Four Past Midnight. And yeah, it was a short story. And it was called Secret Window, Secret Garden. And... I, I, I read the book. I used to have the book, actually. This is, like, super Inception, if you think about it, because it's, like... A book within a book within case, a book. Yeah, because <laughs> Stephen King wrote a book and called Secret Window, essentially. And then Mort Rainey wrote a book called Secret Window. But really, John Shooter wrote a book called Secret Window. It's like, what the fuck, man? A lot of writers for this story. Yeah. Seriously, so um, figured it out, yo. You can kind of see the transition throughout the movie of him, like, going crazier and crazier but i think what really makes the movie interesting for me and stephen king does it in a lot of his uh well not stephen king specifically because he doesn't make the movies but um in a lot of stephen king movies you see like the narration by the character and it's not heavy in this movie but you do see i feel like it's important important yeah you see more rainy talks himself the part that sticks out to me specifically is when he finally gets the magazine in the mail and the story is cut oh, out. Oh, yeah. And he's like... He's arguing with himself. Yeah, he's like, he cut it out. And then in his head, it's like, but wait, how did he do that? Think and he's about like, it more. Yeah, think about it. How how does he do it? And then, like, out loud, Johnny Depp is like, I don't know, but he did it. And I, I love Johnny Depp as an actor. And Man, Crush Monday. I feel like every single actor or actress in this movie did an awesome job. They were all very great. I don't really like John Turturro too much, but he didn't bother me that much in this movie. Um, What else has he been in? Transformers, sucker. He's been in a lot of stuff. Oh, I'm not a huge Transformers fan. Sorry, guys. No, he's been in quite a bit, but um, I think that Johnny Depp was a really good choice for... He's, he, he's good at playing crazy. I but think it, he's just a good actor in general. Yeah, but it, I like it because he he essentially plays two roles. Because at the end of the movie, he takes on the persona of John Shooter. And, and he gets that real deep southern accent. Yeah, and he plays crazy well. But then, like, in, in the beginning of the movie and throughout the movie, he's this, like, scared character who's, like, trying to kind avoid... Kind of avoid his problems. Yeah, and then he takes on this, like, evil... Not even really evil, but, like, vengeful persona and to protect him it's cool that he can do that so well i don't blame him for being angry his wife was fucking somebody else and that's not cool yeah that made me and ned ted ted what an ugly fucking person man i like and then he's like dude dude you gotta chill out like you just cheated you just slept with his wife within six months like he does not need to chill out and you should not be involved in their stuff back up little hoe bag (laughs) homewrecker Motherfucker. I like the little, like, subtle hints that they drop, too, throughout the movie. Like, when Ted's like, oh, I'm from a little town called Shooter's Bay, and you're like, oh, shit. Like, Is it Ted, Ted? Ted hired this yeah, dude to do something. Like, it. like, it kind of, like, teases you into thinking that something's going to happen that doesn't actually happen. You know what I really love? Johnny Depp's 
like real like his his voice. He like is letting his accent show because he's he's from Tennessee. Yeah. And I'm like his he's usually not that southern with his speech, but like it really came through. I think that like for me like I love Stephen King, and I think that knowing that this is a Stephen King movie, you can you can see that, but you can definitely tell that it's not like. You can definitely tell it's not, like, one of his, like, novels. Like, his novels all have, like you said, The Shining. It's all got that that main, like, theme with it. This one is very different. This one is very different than a lot of his stuff, which is one of the reasons why I'm glad that we kind of picked that for this episode, because I think it kind of breaks it up. Mm. But, um... I... It kind of loses that Stephen King feel to me. I feel like it's a lot darker than other Stephen King Yeah, too, but right? it was... It, the thing that got me is uh, the movie... Have either of you seen The Machinist? No. With uh, Christian Bale? No. It I came out Christian the same Bale. year. And it's literally, like, they're very similar concepts. So, like, Christian Bale is, like, going through this, like, psychological thing. And it's basically, like, he's, he's watching... Or all these things are happening. And he's... In his head, it's a, somebody else doing it, but it's actually him. Yeah. So it's like, like Fight Club. It's the yeah, fight club. it's yeah. it's that like that whole like fight exactly. It's Fight Club vibe, but it's like yeah. I I feel like there's only so many ways you can do that, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and after a while it kind of loses it. And I, I just I think that it was for me like watching this. The reason that I appreciate this movie so much in in regards to it versus like something like The Machinist is. I think that there was better character development with this than there was with like that, but I think that overall, like a, the machinist is a better sort of um, representation of of what they were trying to do with this, and and that's just it, it, there's it, they're different movies, obviously, like that's not a horror movie, and it's it's just set up different, but coming out in the same year, that's one of the things that I kind of just like picked up because I I like both of them, but um, well, it's cool too. I, I like seeing Johnny Depp. Again, like because this came out also the same year as Pirates of the Caribbean. The, yeah, the and first in totally one. different roles. No, yeah. the year after, the first one came out in two thousand three. Okay, well, still like they came out around the same time, and that's why he got this role. Okay, they came out around the same time, and yeah, completely different roles. And then Johnny Depp, even since then, mm-hmm. has taken on all these like, especially like Tim Burton movies. Like he's taken on a lot of different roles. I want to know how he prepared for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> he is so he is just such a versatile actor. He, he really is. Like you, I haven't like Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd's a fucking musical. Like you have Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and like Cry he, Baby. Cry Baby Edward Scissorhands. Like Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, like the Cry star. Baby. Oof. There's just so many. There's not much that you can give him that I feel like he he fails with. Um, like um, <clears throat> with this movie, it did come out the year after Pirates of the Caribbean, and the release for it was actually moved up to ride the coattails, and that's a quote: "Coattails of Pirates of the Caribbean," because he was such a big actor at the time. There's also an interesting part in this movie. Um, in 2011, Johnny Depp stars in a movie called The Rum Diaries. There's a scene in this movie where you'll see a book in the background. Guess what book it is? The Rum Diaries. Yeah, the Rum Diaries. Cool. So that's kind of funny because this is like way before he could have even processed getting that role. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. It like told the future a little bit. Um, I think that yeah, I agree that Johnny Depp. He's he's an amazing actor and maybe one of the greatest actors, probably the, easily one of the most well-known actors. Um, and he's done horror, and I, th- I think he he aces it every time. He, he's um. He's just very skilled, and his character of Mort Rainey was uh, 
was on, right on point. I mean, he was kind of losing his mind, losing his life. Like, everything that he loved in his life was torn away from him in a way, and he literally saw it happen, you know? Like, and I, and I, I really think that that moment is what 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 set him like I think if it ended and he just knew what happened he didn't catch it I think that he wouldn't have gone down this route that he went down mm-hmm. but I think it's from what he saw and having to see that his wife has moved on past him is what really did it for him uh, and I think that's really sad I really feel bad for him that he's a bad guy but I love the end after he um, killed everybody and they're like, I know there's no physical evidence, but everybody knows you did it. And he just looks so happy, and like his hair's all combed, and he's like having no problem writing, and he's just like, okay. I, I've always had this question too, of like, <laughs> who hit, who is he at the end of the movie? Because when he is about mm-hmm. to kill, he says that Mort's dead. Yeah, he's like Mort's gone. Like he put up a good fight, but I won in the end. Well, he's definitely not John Shooter either, though. Exactly. So it's kind of like, is who is more? he? Is there a third person right. that's in there? Yeah. And it, it, I think I thought that that was a very interesting concept. But other than that, I really don't think there's much more to say about this movie. Like it had great characterization and great, like a great story. But I don't think that there's anything very standoutish as far as like the way it was shot. No, and I think like, that this is a movie that it's like once you've watched it once, you really don't have to watch it again because the whole movie relies on the that, the twist, the twist yeah, the at twist, the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like once you know it, it doesn't have it. Like this it movie, takes away. it's like I don't know. I like watched I, it. It was it was fine, but it's like all right. And I know I know that John Shooter is just Johnny Depp. So why am I like you know? But that turn when he when he puts on the hat and he is John Shooter and his wife comes in. And she's like, where'd you get that hat? And he's like, this is mine. It's always been mine. I'm like, good job, Johnny Depp. We can pause it. I don't know. I mean, I've watched this movie a bunch of times, and I don't think it's something I could watch, like, next month. But I could watch it, like, a year from now and still enjoy it just as much. Just because I love the story. Like, if it has a good story, it's got me drawn in. I would like to read the the story. I think that that would probably be more... It's really good. At this point, I would like it more so than the movie because it's just like I've seen it. I need books to read. It's really good. I used to have it. I don't think I have it anymore. But do we have anything else to say before we move on into ratings? Nope. Um. So with that being said, Erica, take it away with your rating. All right. So, uh, like I said, um, I think that it's kind of missing its Stephen King feel for me. I agree. Um, and that kind of bums me out because I feel like Stephen King, like even watching like newer stuff, like we've touched base on, we were about to touch base on it. We've covered Carrie. Uh, you guys have done Rose Red. Um, the Shining. The Shining and Pet, Pet Cemetery, And then we did the Creep Shows. Like all of them have like, you know, they're Stephen King's. And I think that it goes beyond just the cult following that's there. I feel like anybody who even slightly knows who Stephen King is can kind of look at him and be like, yeah, that's a Stephen King. You know what I think is really crazy about that is that he doesn't make the movies and his style still still pushes through, which is awesome because every movie is made by a different person. It's actually funny, too. And you can still be like, that's Stephen King. It's actually funny, too, because, like I said, I got this when it came out and... I actually didn't even realize until like years later that it was a Stephen King. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what I'm saying. I think that that's that's the hardest thing for me is because like, so um, like I said, I I think that maybe reading the book, I'd have like a different um, maybe a different perspective on it than I do. Uh, but with that being said, it, it's a decent movie. It doesn't really like stick out for me. It's not one of those ones like 
It's very forgettable for me as far as, like, movie goes. Like, it's one of those ones that you're like, oh, shit, yeah, I forgot about that. Like, yeah. But, again, like, you touch base on, like, it was hard for me. And I've I've said this a ton of times. It's hard for me, once I've seen something, to want to, like, really dive into it again. It's got to be a really spectacular movie for me to be like, yes, let's watch this. Carrie's one of them. There, there's a couple that I'm just like, yeah, I can watch this like a hundred times over and it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. But I feel like this, like once you've seen it once and you know the end, it's kind of hard to be like, yeah, let's watch that. Like, it's like the gig's up, like whatever, we're done. So um, with that being said, like if you haven't seen it and you're, you're wanting to watch it, it's definitely like... Watch it before you watch the episode. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because if not, it'll be done. We'll Spoiler alert, that, guys. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to give this a, I'll give it a 6.8. Um, I like this movie. I think that Johnny Depp's a great actor. Um, the, the idea behind the movie could be unique, but once you watch it, once you, you know, you know, so it kind of ruins it from that point. Um, I think that anything else I have to say has been mentioned through the discussion, so I don't want to drag it out too long, but, um, I, I would recommend it. If you haven't seen it, check it out. If you have seen it and you like it. It's a good movie. Um, it's just not my favorite. I'm going to give it a 6.7. Yeah, like I said, there's really nothing that stands out too much to me as far as like the way it's shot. But I do like the um, the story behind it. The twist it was very surprising the first time I saw it. And it's still one that I enjoy. Um, the acting is great. The characters are very well done. Um, I'll probably, right around where you guys were, I'd probably give it a 7. Cool. That was easy. Right. So that gives it an average of a 6.8. I think that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. All right, and the Instagram average rating for this film was a 7.5. On tonight's episode, we're going to do something a little different, something we haven't done before. We have here Chuck from the band Batshit Crazy. Hey, Chuck. How's it going, Dylan? Good. Uh, we're going to talk to you him a little bit about his music. He makes horror-inspired punk music. The only kind of music to listen to. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we'll show you guys one of their songs and let you know where you can check out the rest of their EP. So, uh, Chuck, what is it that you do in the band? Well, I play guitar and I write all the music. um, And it was kind of the whole band was actually kind of my creation. And uh, so I, I'm kind of the, you know, the, the steerhead, if you will, of the, of the band. Um, I, I had a previous project that I've been doing for quite a few years called Bullet Treatment. And it was a band where I had different members come in and out and do different projects and different releases and different seven inches and full lengths and so forth. I was never a specific band. And uh, Richie, the singer for this, actually had sang on some of that stuff previously. And I knew for this project, I wanted somebody who could sing, but then also be a little, you know, aggressive and, and shout if that's what the song called for. And uh, so he was kind of a perfect fit to, to come in for that. But uh, so I kind of just, you know, I guess I run the whole show, so to speak. Awesome. What made you guys want to do, uh, or you specifically, since you write the music, what made you want to do horror? Yeah, you know, it's funny because, you know, last year when, when the Misfits did the reunion thing at Riot Fest, you know, everybody was so into in that. You know, and their band everybody loves or, you know, should love. <laughs> and, and it was funny because I, I just thought, thought to myself, I was like, you know, it's rad because they used to write all their music based on the kind 
kind of golden age of horror movies, you know, Night of Living Dead and you know, Astro Zombies, whatever, that kind of stuff, Teenager from Mars. And I was like, nobody really kind of took a more modern take on that. And some of the music I've been writing, it just kind of just, for whatever reason, it just popped in my head, like, this fits more of that kind of content, if you will, you know. So, so I kind of started going back to, like, my childhood thinking about, you know, movies that kind of got me going. It was, it was more like the you know, Phantasms and Halloween, a lot of John Carpenter stuff. And Richie, he's about 10 years younger than I am, and he would always, you know, kind of just in conversation talk about horror movies, you know, be it It Follows or something more current that maybe I hadn't seen. And so we kind of just hit off, and I was like, this music has, like going back to what I was saying about the vocals, has to have kind of a a variety, because the horror as a genre is so diverse. You know, there's the slashers, and there's the just a straight scary movie that doesn't have any violence, and then there's, you know, the over-the-top gore flicks. So I kind of want to take that same avenue with the music, and, like, that first song, Bats in the Belfry, is kind of more of a pop-punk song. Right. But then They they Live is a little more kind of indie-driven, I guess. And then the third song, like, when I put the single out for Diabolic, it's a little more hardcore. So I kind of want that same kind of cross-genre style in the music as it is in, in the movie genre as well, but... But, but yeah, I love all all things for it. And it's one of those things that just like the music, when you discover a new band, you always get excited and tell your friends. And that's kind of the one movie genre. When you find a movie, it's like, well, oh, dude, did you see, you know, It Follows or something, you know, and then it becomes that kind of like, a niche thing to go look out and search, you know. So right. so I always kind of had that, that drive for it and everything. That's awesome. And I, I like that you uh, mentioned the age gap too, because that is cool because you know, there is, like, an evolution of horror movies, much like there's an evolution of, like, punk, and you do see that. It changes with every generation. Yeah, and you do see that in in the songs that you guys have released also because, like you said, you have, like, the pop punk and you have, like, the old-school punk sound. Like, it... It, it's a good blend, much like the blend in the movies that you guys are influenced by. So I, I think that that was well executed. And, I, and in the lyrical content as well, as we... Cause I forget how much I explained to you through an email, but we, I have four EPs with the music that we're going to be releasing. So this is EP one, and then EP two should be out around Halloween, and then EP three and then EP four are going to come out. And I mean, I have about thirty or so songs written, and, and we've demoed most of them. And the idea is, even within the lyrical content, like "They Live, We Sleep" was as in your face obvious what that song was about as it could be. It's it was. John Carpenter, it was They Live, I mean, the title was, you know, the title, I mean, it was obvious, but then a song like Diabolic, the next song, you have to kind of pay attention to the lyrics to really understand what movie that's about. So, right. so there are different degrees of how obvious we're, we're making something, and then maybe something else where you can think it's four or five different movies within lyrical content and not quite be able to figure it out until you catch it, you know, so it's a little extra in there, you know, we try, try to keep things a little diverse, too. So I know you mentioned uh, your guys' influence with movies, but for our listeners who might be more into the music side, what were your influences as far as like bands that influenced the styles? The Misfits, obviously. Yeah, besides the Misfits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. Um, it's kind of funny for, for this. The bullet treatment band I do is straight up hardcore. I mean, it's, it's Meyer Threat, you know, Circle Jerks, Black Flag kind of stuff. This this stuff is a little more, like I said, diverse, so it was kind of like, you know, a little more rancid, maybe, or a little more Agent Orange, 
or a little more of the cramps, you know, kind of all over the place. And that's, I, I kind of just kind of took an idea. You know, whoever I was almost listening to is kind of how I write. Mm. And, and you know, if I'm listening to like, you know, The Descendants and then I listen to like, you know, something way popular like Green Day, and then I kind of just could take those kind of, you know, elements and it's real subliminal. People don't realize how, how subliminal music is to you because you could be walking through a mall and hear a song and then you go home and pick up the guitar and you just, you accidentally start playing whatever, it could have been a Demi Lovato song and you just come up with this chord progression, you know what I mean? And you're like, oh, wait a second, where did I, how did I come up with that chord progression, you know? And, and I was like, oh, maybe it was a song I heard earlier today or something, you know? So it's real subliminal. So I tend to kind of, around myself with music that I kind of I think I want this project to sound like as I'm working on you know maybe the artwork or maybe I'm you know working on emails or something like that so it's kind of all, all across the board but it's definitely you know punk rock's my favorite kind of music so it's always coming from that you know that stem of, of the, the rock world you know yeah and we're, we're big punk fans also so when you hit us up and you're like I have a punk band that's horror inspired we're like oh shit like we jumped right on it so. <laughs> yeah we're really excited when we listen to um when we listened to you guys uh, after you emailed us, we're like, "Damn, this is real good." Yeah. This is good. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Well, it's weird because it wasn't. You know, I stopped to think. I'm like, "What was the last kind of band that I remember?" You know, maybe like a, for me, like AFI or somebody was kind of doing it, but they weren't really yeah. like specific to like movies or anything. It was just they were just kind of dark. It was kind of like Halloween-esque. You know? Their yeah. older stuff. I'm sorry. They have like the like that Halloween kind of uh, yeah. vibe to them. Well, their old stuff does. Yeah, now they're like, exactly. not at all. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We ask every person who comes on, what's your favorite horror movie? What's my favorite horror movie? Yep. Um, oh, man. It's like, that's like saying what's your favorite band as far as just one. Well, is there a specific um, movie, is there a specific movie that got you into horror that you can remember, like, getting you into horror? Ironically, I don't necessarily consider it a horror movie is Escape from New York. Um, right. that got me into that got me into John Carpenter and then it was the fog and Halloween and the thing and everything and then it was and then it was just I had to find anything in that genre and then it just kind of you know, overloaded that's why I started like Phantasm uh, and then and then like as a kid I started to find a lot of the B horror movies like Scanners or you know movies like that and it was just you just kind of you know like I said earlier about bands once you find one you want to keep seeking out more and more right. mm-hmm. and, and yeah, and then there's been that resurgence, like you mentioned, you know, with, with uh, I just watched last night that movie Split, and, you know, like, and my shawl on it, it was like, you know, guys like that are the, you know, you, you know you're a great movie maker when people will go to your movie without even knowing what your movie's about. Exactly. Yeah. And, that's yeah. the way, and, and that's the what, that's what John Carpenter did to me and kind of got me into that genre. Yeah, you never really know what to expect with John Carpenter. We're a big John Carpenter yeah. fans, too, so. Yeah, yeah. Cool, All right, cool, so um, cool. <laughs> where, can, uh, where can people find your guys' music and keep up with your releases? Uh, iTunes, like you said, Spotify earlier, um, Amazon, all that kind of stuff. Uh, music's up there on the Bandcamp page. Um, that's usually one of the best ways I always try to kind of direct people there because then there's no middleman taking out their fees, uh, you know, they want. But, uh we just look, look at Batch of Crazy on our band camp. And then as far as social media, we're kind of minimal on that. I, I do the Instagram thing. Um, it's Batchick underscore crazy underscore band. But really, other than Facebook and stuff, I try to keep off that because that's, uh, you know. 
But um, we'll be sure to link your uh, all your information in this episode description and as well as on our social media pages. So, Plus uh, we'll tell friends. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so um, anybody awesome, listening, awesome. if you like the song that we're about to play, you want to hear some more, check out the links that we post in the description for this as well as on our Facebook and Instagram and check out more. Thanks, guys. All right, uh, thanks, Chuck. So we're going to play the song Bats in the Belfry, which is the first song on the EP. So enjoy.
I gotta go. Go? Without this? My goat! Exactly. Go on, kiddo. Take it. Oh, you want it, don't you, Georgie? Oh, of course you do. And there's cotton candy and rides and all sorts of surprises down here. And balloons, too. All colors. Do they float? Oh, yes. They float, Georgie. They float. And when you're down here with me, you float All right, so with the last movie, we're going to cover It, which was released in 1990, a miniseries. Um, there's like 40,000 different characters in it, so we're not going to go too far into that or their actors. Um, the basic storyline are seven kids in Derry are being terrorized by a clown that takes the form of things that you're afraid of. Um, they defeat it at the end of the first part and then it comes back 30 years later they get called back um to fight it again so there you go that's the movie Woo. mini series fun fact it was originally supposed to be a 10-part series and be directed by george a romero um that would have been he, a totally different movie he actually uh <laughs> He passed it up due to scheduling conflicts because he was shooting the 1990 version of Night of the Living Dead. And um, it's funny because the year before that, he was supposed to direct Pet Cemetery, And he, the same thing, like scheduling and, conflicts, he, he wasn't able to do it. Him and Stephen King just can't get the shit together. <laughs> Creep um, show! Creep show! That's the only time! The only time. Um, <laughs> this is definitely, um, and I feel that it probably, a lot of people probably feel the same way. This is the movie. That when you're like seven, you are terrified of Pennywise. Oh, yeah. And I don't think that there's a child in the world that has seen this movie that does not feel that way. Um, Got the, a story for you. Dude, the <laughs> opening, not the opening scene, but the scene when um, Bill fixes the boat for Georgie. And he's just like, you know, going down the sidewalk and he's like, beep, beep. SS of Georgie, baby. He's <laughs> just coming down the street. And he, he, he's so happy. And then it's just like only one glimmer of happiness in this movie. And then from there, it's just like, boom. It's Let me rip your arm off, boy. You know? Um, I love this movie. I fucking love this movie. I, I remember watching this. Well, I didn't watch it, but I remember my parents watching this when I was uh, really young. And I remember... I walked in when they were watching it, and they're like, you know, it's, it's scary, don't watch it. And I, you know, shit, as a little kid, I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch it anyway. And it was the part where Bill finds the photo album, and it has Georgie's picture, picture, and the picture starts so bleeding. bleeding. That fucking scarred me. <laughs> I would not, like, I walked out <coughs> from that point on. Anytime, this was the movie that anytime my parents were like, this is scary, don't watch it. Okay, I fucking walked out it. of the room, yeah. <laughs> Nora tried creeping on this one. She did. It didn't last long. I think she got like a like a little shot of Pennywise and was like, good night. <laughs> like out. She didn't even care to watch anymore. But um, okay. So I like fun fact, I have two kids. I used to, when I was younger, I, I fucking hated children. Like I couldn't stand kids. My brother was enough. And I think he ruined it for me on why I didn't like children. He was a little shit. 
But, um, so, like, I <laughs> yeah, I was, was that kid, like, I couldn't, I did not, like, unless they were, like, related to me, I could really care less about, like, being around, like, other, kids like, my so kids my age, yeah, but, like, younger kids, I just couldn't do it. So, like, I wasn't the babysitter. I didn't want to fucking babysit your kids. I didn't want to hang out with your kids. I don't like, care how much you were paying me. Yeah, like, I was not about that life. So, I was in, I was in high school, and my grandmother owned a business, and one of the ladies that worked for her had a younger kid, um, kid's name, I think his name was Ryan. Um, so my grandmother was like, Pam and her husband want to go out. Why don't you watch their, you know, why don't you watch your son? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't like kids. I, yeah. I'm like, I'm really just like, I, let me just fucking like hang out with my friends. Like, I don't want to do this. And she's like, Oh, you should do it. You should do it. So finally I like, I caved in. I was like, all right, I'll watch him. So I went over there and they were like, we're gonna, why don't you guys uh, run down to the video store and pick out a movie and we'll order pizza and stuff and then we'll go out. I was like, all right, whatever. So I let him pick the movie out and I wasn't thinking about it and I had never seen it. So he picks this fucking movie up. This little shit had the plan of plans. Okay. So that was the first time I almost went to jail. So this kid, They bring it home. They, okay, so, like, you remember, like, the houses, like, in the, like, early 90s that still had, like, the 80s, like, whole built-in, like, fucking TV consoles? Okay. So, that's what they got in the living room, but they got, like, the big fucking box flat screen, big screen that's, like, they sawzawed part of the wall out to, like, get it in so it all looked flush. So, they got, like, the early, like, it's, it's old school, but it's all set up, right? So, this kid pops this movie in. Pizza's coming. We're like, all right. Was it VHS? So you it might have been. You rented on. VHS. I think it had to have been because it was two. It was two different tapes. Valley they came videos. together and they rubber band <clears throat> them together. Valley. Valley videos never never rented DVDs until like I was like in high, in high school, school, right? And, and so it, it had down. to have been on VHS. They like offered DVDs like three weeks before they shut down. So, this kid, we were watching this movie. He he must have disappeared and been gone for a while. Okay, so that tells you how good I am at watching children. Um, And I'm like, fuck, where'd this kid go? So I'm starting to look around for him. Well, I guess the year before, his dad must have went as Pennywise for Halloween. He had hidden a hallway closet upstairs. When he jumped out of the closet, I punched him square in the face, and I gave an eight-year-old a black eye. (laughs) And that was the first and last time, y'all, that I babysat children until I had my own. Jesus. (laughs) Like... Had to call his mom. Mom came home, was like, what happened? He got his ass beat for that one. Like, on top of me duffing him, his mom whooped his ass. Oh, God. Like, whooped that ass. And then I went home, and my grandmother was like, you duffed him in the face. I was like, absolutely did. Teach him to jump out from something. So, yeah, anyway, it it fucked me up. Can't, like, I even watching it the second time, I was like, God, why am I watching this? I'm going to contradict myself from what I said last week a little bit, because last week when we talked about Clown House, I had said, like, I don't like when horror movies focus on kids, because I feel like it's more of, like, a safety thing, because you know that the kids aren't going to die. In this, the I think... The way that they did it. The way they did it, I love that it was kids that they focused on. It was like that, Stand By Me. That they focused on, like, the fears of these kids, because this movie, more so than Clown House, it took like a psychological approach mm-hmm. so yeah. it had it had the like paranormal aspect to it which made it creepy so there were parts that scared the shit out of me as a kid but there's also parts that make you kind of laugh like 
fucking part two, like, kiss you, you fat boy. <laughs> yeah. But Tim, the way that Kim, yeah. the way that Tim Curry portrayed Pennywise, though, is he had this very like comical aspect to it, but. It was, like, sinister. Yeah, but it was, like, you laughed at it, but at the same time, like, while you were laughing at kind of some of the shit he said, you were like, no, if that was me, I would have fucking been out of there. Like, yeah. out. Like, bye. Fuck you guys. See you, like, gone. No way in hell. I think where the kid thing worked in this movie, opposed to Clown House, was that um, they, they were essentially secluded because nobody else could see what was happening other than the kids. So they were foc- they were they were forced to rely on each other. They couldn't even rely on their parents or their adults because they weren't seeing the stuff that was going on and they weren't understanding what was really happening, which made, essentially, this is going to sound cheesy, but it created it created a bond where they were each other's heroes. Yeah. I loved I loved the development in their friendship, though. Mm-hmm. And lucky, I feel like... The seven. Yeah, like, it's just... The, the entire way that they portrayed that was mm-hmm. so... It was it was well done because oh. you had individual character development that was great. Like the way that he focused kind of on that like mental break that Billy had like after mm-hmm. the death of his brother, and you kind of see like these different breakdowns of how this is affecting them, and as as they're opening up more to each other about like the things that they're seeing and everybody sort of coming together and they're getting on that same page. They build up this like camaraderie that's Except just like Stan. Yeah, he was such a puss bag. I'm so glad he was gone. Yeah, well, I I think that the 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 thing that really sums I'm up their, sums fine. up um, how important they were to each other was in the first part when Bev gets in the car and they and she says I'm going to Maine and he said Are you going to see family or friends? And she said friends. And then she smiles and she looks up and she says the best I ever had. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Uh, and and it's true. As soon as they got back together, it was like they didn't miss anything. You know, they were. They were exactly where they left off, and um, I think that, like, especially when you're watching it as a kid, you want friends like that. When mm-hmm. I watched this for the first time, I was like, man, my friends aren't this fucking cool. Like, we wouldn't beat up bullies together with rocks. Well, I think this movie, too, going back to the whole, like, what we had said before about Stephen King and how well he develops characters. Oh like, every character in this movie is developed well, and it's very believable. Mm-hmm. They're all very believable, and, like... The conversations, the interactions that they have with each other, with their families, like with teachers, anything, like they're all very real. There's mm-hmm. purpose behind it. Yeah, too. they feel it feels real, and it really puts you in the movie because there's nothing where you're like, okay, that would never fucking happen because it it, it is all very real. Especially because you put kids in that situation, and when it becomes kids, even if the whole story wasn't real to them, it was. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like. It could have been just something that they thought of and they were scared of, like their boogeyman. It didn't even have, like Pennywise did not have to be real for it to be real to them and and, and, and that'd be fine. I love that every child reacts a different way to seeing Pennywise and like the things that happen. Like, for example, Bev, um, the bathroom gets filled with blood and her thought, and because like her dad was so hard on her and everything she's like well i'm gonna clean everything so she literally just scrubs down the bathroom and then it's all back there again Mm -hmm. and just like that depth of character development is so great and and it's every character every single one um i think my favorite character in the the movie and it's from the children not the as adults because um their characters change a lot between being children to being adults um 
Mike Hanlon as a child was my favorite character. I just felt like um, they didn't know what was going on until they introduced Mike to the Lucky Seven group, and he kind of knew the history of Derry and kind of, and had that that book where he explained it. And that that's actually like my favorite scene was when they're all together sitting there and they're going through the um, the photo album. And he's like, there he is again, and here again, and mm-hmm. you know, and it always happens after a huge tragedy in the town. And then um, Stan had was like, this is not believable, this isn't real, it's not really happening. You guys are crazy. And then that's when the picture comes to life, and Pennywise comes up, and he's like, you'll all die, you'll die if you try to fight me, you know that part. And um, Stan shuts it, slams it, and throws the book, and he goes, no, no. And they're like, you saw it. And he's like, I didn't want to, didn't want yeah. to. Yeah. And uh, he's the only one who really reacted. Like, they all reacted in fear, but Stan was, like... Terrified. It was... Yeah, it was, like, it was almost cowardice, the way mm-hmm. he reacted to everything. And I understand because he was only a child, but... Um, I love, too, because what they do with his character later on, I mean, because in the in the second part, uh, it shows that everybody... It kind of does in the first part, too. Everybody moves on, and they all become successful. Mm-hmm. And... Because of this, they all kind of forget, forget everything that happened. And from my understanding, <clears throat> that was all put into place by Pennywise to make them forget so that they could have that same fear again. But Mike stayed in the town. And stayed poor. And he stayed poor, and he remembered everything because he didn't go on and, you know, He never had a successful. life outside of that. Right. And it's, it's cool, too, because at the end of the movie... After they defeat Pennywise, they all are going back to their lives, but they all still have some sort of burden. Or no, their their burdens are kind of gone. But Bill, and they all start forgetting. But Bill still has that burden because his Audra. Girl, yeah, Audra's a vegetable. Yeah. But she, be, she he fixes her by taking her on a ride of silver. But yeah, that's something that I do love that they brought back at the end of the second part when they were like. Um, you know, Mike Hanlon's literally writing in a journal and he's like, I would have forgotten everything if I didn't have this journal. And he's like, Bill's still in town, but he leaves today. And uh, we've been hanging out, but we, we, we started having to ask each other our names because yeah. they're forgetting who they are. Yeah, yeah. Because all of this, they've they finally defeated it and they don't need to remember anymore. And um, I don't know. I, that's, I th- where, that's where I was going with it. It's not at the end that they have the burdens still. It's that they all have burdens as adults, even though they're successful, like, um, who was, was it, I think it was Ben, couldn't have kids or something like that, and he wanted, one of them wanted kids and couldn't have kids, it, it No, Bev wanted kids, but she didn't have any. Right, and one of them wanted kids and they couldn't have any, and then it's like, oh, they had kids at the end. I think that was, like, one of the... I think that the way that they explained that was something to do with Pennywise. Like, they... Because of, like, the, what they had experienced, none of them were able to have children. Or none of them had children. I couldn't... I can't remember how they explained it. Yeah. I but, just don't think any of them ever really settled down. They became but they, successful, but the only one who ever settled down was Stan. Yeah, I thought they said one of them couldn't have kids for some reason. I don't um, But, that. yeah, they all are successful, but they all still have, like, something... Well, Beverly is attracted to men who beat her. Eddie, Eddie can't get away from his mother. Bill is caught between his career and his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, ben goes woman to woman because he's been in love with Beverly and never been able to replace her. Yeah. Stan is a coward. And Richie 
Richie's cool, I guess. I'm, I'm, <laughs> he he, he doesn't have anybody. I I love that Seth Green plays young Richie. I do too. And it kind of, I don't know how Richie is portrayed in the book because I've never read the book, but and I don't. I like I said earlier in the episode. I don't want to get too much into the remake. But they have the kid from Stranger Things, Mike, whatever, yeah. playing Richie. He seems he seems like nerd. Like I've never <laughs> seen him. He doesn't. I, I can't see him in that role. You can't be like comical. Yeah. yeah, and it's because I'm comparing it to this, and like I said, it, it's a different take. I know <laughs> that, and it's it could be going more off the book, but see, and this is just like not touching, like going like off of what Dylan says. I think that it's going to be interesting seeing him do that because I feel like Stranger Things has a lot of it vibes to it. No, I think that the new it movie has a lot of Stranger Things vibes to it. <laughs> I think it's just the '80s. Yeah, the I don't know. I'm I'm not... kind of I'm kind of not on the '80s bandwagon. I don't like the '80s. We know. <laughs> I don't like him at all. No, this um, hands down though, it is one of the 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 best horror series. I think anybody, even people who don't like horror, have some sort of nostalgic memory of seeing this yeah. mm-hmm. like people who don't even watch like scary movies at all are like oh god i remember seeing that like mm-hmm. somehow they got subjected to this and it fucking scarred they were at a friend's like, house is what happened yeah exactly and it's just like i think that this is sort of like this really set the ground for like the whole fear of clowns thing and i don't care how scary how creepy how bloody and gory you make a fucking clown nothing is creepier than Tim Curry as Pennywise. Pennywise. Like, to me, and I just, it's it's not even that, like like I said before, it's, he's like, he's not scary, <clears throat> that's just it, but he's like, sarcastic and cynical, and he's definitely like that creep that you could see at the fucking fair, like, rolling up half-dressed as a clown, fucking, like, shitty drunk, like, <laughs> trying to grab children. I, I think <laughs> that, that, that Tim Curry is what makes this movie so iconic, his, his adaptation of Pennywise. And it's kind of crazy to think because we almost didn't have that. Yeah. Tim Curry was originally not going to take this role because he just came out of another movie where it was a ton of makeup, and it was really hard on him. Uh, like being that character and playing that character was really difficult. And uh, he literally had just finished filming, and they were like, "You want to do this movie?" And he's like, "Dude, hello." And uh, they they worked it out because apparently it was going to have a lot more makeup than what he did. And they lowered it down, chilled it out for him, and uh, they said that the way that he played the role made it a lot easier to take a lot of the scary makeup off and go simpler out with it. So originally, the look for it was not what it, what it ended up being. And I'm glad that they, they made a compromise for Tim Curry because I don't think that we would have the movie that we have today without him in it. That simplifi- uh, like The way that they simplified it, though, was tasteful. I don't mm-hmm. think it took but away from anything. But that's the thing is that I think it was good because instead of making... Like, I talked about this in the last episode. I'm af- I'm afraid of real clowns. Scary clowns don't bother me like when they're made to be scary. But a real clown like at a fair, at a circus, I've never been to a circus. That was a lie. At a fair, scares the crap out of me. Like they just make me uncomfortable. I don't like it. And so I feel that Tim Curry for me is more successful because he's he's got a he's clown, a legit exactly. clown. Mm-hmm. He's not a creepy evil clown. He's just a clown, and that scares me really bad. Because I feel like he's probably a creep. I I, I agree <laughs> that's that. That's what I that's what I was talking about. Like it's not like the bloody gory ones that get me. It's like, like have you ever seen the clown that they use as a spokesperson for Barnum and Bailey Circus? Gives me the fucking heebie-jeebies. It's got like a top hat, like a flower on it. I'm like, I don't know. That's how children disappear. It freaks me the fuck out. I I agree that I think it, 
Tim Curry's portrayal as Pennywise is what makes this so iconic. And I think that's why, and this is where my biggest complaint comes in of this, I hate the ending of the second part. Everybody hates the ending! I hate that... I hate that it it is a giant spider and they shoot it in the deadlights with an earring and like it's I feel like it was just lazy and it it sets you up for this villain of Pennywise throughout the whole movie and he wasn't even in like the last 20 minutes of the movie because yeah yeah they and (coughs) I, I know that Tim Curry and other actors um I know that John Ritter is a huge was a huge Stephen King fan, and he was actually disappointed when he found out that they weren't actually going against Pennywise at the end, and that when he saw like the spider, he's just like, yeah, yeah I don't, like, what I don't the fuck know is about this. this. Um, I love John. Tim Ritter. Curry was interviewed like like a few days ago. It was really recently, and they were asking him how he felt about somebody else playing t- um, Pennywise and how he felt about this remake. And he said, uh, "I, you know, I'm excited to see it. I'm curious to see their take on it." He goes, "I hope they change the ending, though, because <laughs> I hated the spider. It was so stupid." So Tim Curry himself didn't even like the spider, which is probably obvious because then he was in the last part of the movie. So one thing I think was funny, and I pointed it out uh, when we watched the movie. I don't know if there's more of a significance in the uh, in the book or like why it was even thrown in, but Eddie dies. Um, by by the spider, but it's before th- before they go and fight the spider. He has this big reveal. He's like, "I'm a virgin," and then they kill him. It's yeah. like you fucking like. <laughs> not only did you have him have this big reveal that he's a virgin, and you're like, "All right, like you're about to fucking fight it." Like, come on. And then they're like, "All right, we're gonna kill you. You're gonna die a virgin." And I was like, I feel like that's just fucking. <laughs> Driving the nail in harder. They like, did. They did. They they did him. The, they did him wrong. Justice for Eddie. Eddie was cooler as a kid. I'm gonna say. I didn't like adult Eddie at all. I loved Kid Eddie. Yeah, like Kid Eddie. Was kid like, Eddie was a little sassy. Like he'd be like, like Bill would be like, this is, and he'd be like, dang it, Bill, I hate how you stutter my name. No, he, he has the best line in the movie, and that's, this is battery acid, you slime. Yeah, that was good. That was good. I, I love this movie, and, and it has, like, a very, like, stand-by-me, friends-stick-together kind of vibe. I love that they all took hits off of his fucking inhaler before they yeah. went down yeah. there, and they did it the opposite way. I was like, yeah. those kids are getting fucking high, and then yeah. they're down there and this bitch. <laughs> they're fucked up, man. None of it really happened. They were just fucked up the whole right? time. <laughs> Plot twist. They were all just chirping balls off an inhaler. Um... I think it's funny kind of how this how this movie went, because the first half, I, I, I honestly feel like... Um, the first half of this movie, it focused on each character evenly, and then I feel like the second half of this movie focused more so on, like... The group. No, I feel like it kind of focused on Ben and Bev a lot. Yeah. But then again, there's also the scenes with Mike and um, Bill, where they kind of had their Yo, little romance. Yo, shout out. Hold on. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Can we just discuss the makeout scene in the Chinese food restaurant... And then she flips the scripts, and that's not even Bay anymore. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, nah. Yeah, right? Like, he, all he says is hi, and it's like, and let's married. just fucking jam our tongues down and each other. And he's throat. married to And Tom then Zach. she's like, oh, hey, but you, as he's like rubbing her shoulders. I always knew. No, you know what, though? The, the part where she's like, 
um, she has Ben go up to get her her like sweater, and he's like, she walks in, and he's like, oh, like she's like, um, what is it? Your hair is winter fire, January, November, yeah. and he's like, she's like, I've always known it was you. Like you should have known, cause she definitely didn't know it was you. That that was not her. That was Pennywise, and that's why the second time it happened. And she's like, I always thought it was Bill, but. It, it obviously it's you. That's why he should have known the second time it was really Bev. The first time it really wasn't Bev because she didn't always know. Shout out to Bill's ponytail. <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> Which Get I, it was like, of a, it. like you didn't know it was there yeah, at all ever, job. and then all of a sudden he'd like turn quick and you're like, God damn! The secret window twist. The too. secret window twist was nothing compared to that twist. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That though, like it's like, oh my god! Could you imagine how fierce that mullet was though? If he undid that pony, um, I just wanted to see that mullet. So there is and that mole though. When Couldn't uh, look away. When lo- re- when researching this movie, um, I had found an interesting um, an interesting fact from the movie. Um, there's a scene in the movie where Henry Bowers calls. Um, Mike, a not cool word that I choose not to even bring up the word. I'm sure you guys can figure it out. Um, and the actor who played Henry Bowers uh, felt really terrible about the line and having to say the line. Uh, that he like had like he felt the need to apologize to the actor who played young Mike. Like oh. every time he saw him, and young Mike was like. That was another thing that kind of disappointed me about the second part of this was the whole like bringing Henry Bowers in. I don't think it was important. I feel like it could have been such a cool thing but I feel like it was like. The best part was Pennywise in the moon. No. That was really dumb. (laughs) But bringing Henry Bowers back and like because he was framed for all the murders before. He wasn't framed. He admitted to them. them. Right. But I mean kind of he was framed because he didn't actually do it but I, I think it's it was kind of like a missed opportunity because I feel like they could have like I feel like they could have done more with it with him like breaking out of the psych ward because yeah there really wasn't any significance to it like he puts what's his name he puts Mike in the hospital because he stabs him but like other than that there was no like that whole part could have been cut out I and felt maybe bad it's because, that Mike didn't get to go back in maybe it's because it wasn't developed as much but I don't know. I really don't have much more to say about the movie it. Yeah. It's my fave. Not really. Oh, it's my fave. Just like the um the scene when they're in the sewer um as children and the um you see Georgie and then right after that you see Bev's dad. Um that was actually a one straight shot between actors like they had Georgie in, they shot it he walked as he walked off screen. Bev's dad walked on screen and they shot it like straight that's through. Really there cool. was no break in that point. Um, so that's how they went about that, which I thought was interesting. Another cool thing about that scene was that they the scene was planned for rain. Like they wanted it to rain. But the day that they filmed it, it actually ended up raining. So they didn't have to make it look like it was raining. It actually did rain that day. So I thought that was really nice. It probably saved them some stuff. Hell yeah. Uh, I think when you think of this movie, the one line that you'll think of, like, immediately go to is Beep Beep Richie. Because it's said, like, constantly throughout the movie, Beep Beep Richie. And pretty much it's like when, 
in the book it was more explained like they just kind of said it randomly like as jokes throughout the movie but in the book it was more explained like shut up Richie is what it's meant to be when he's being like obnoxious or annoying or he's not stopping they'd say beep beep Richie so he would know to shut up I think easily my favorite part of this movie is when Bill first gets to town and he goes into the um, the cemetery and you see he's Pennywise digging and he's digging graves. the graves and he stops and he looks at him and he goes, hey there, a, bo- a, bo- a, bo- a, bo- a pretty boy. And he's like, you can pick anyone except that last one. That's already taken. I'm like, yeah. That's right, Pennywise. He was. Like, he just did. Like, he had so many, he like, fun of him. quirky. He oh did so God. many, like, quirky, like, little when, lines. When there. Eddie goes to the, the, when he gets back to town, Eddie, and he goes to the pharmacist, and it's the old man. Yeah. And he grabs him, and he's like, good boy. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Tim Curry. You go, man. Uh, anything else to say about it? I don't think so. I think we did pretty good. Ratings. All right. So. Take it away. I, this movie just like, I, I, it's one of those ones, like I said, it doesn't matter if you're a horror movie fan or if you are like strictly like Disney movies, like if you've seen this, it's stuck in your head. You, you remember watching it the first time. Like it's one of those ones that, and that could also be because it's three fucking hours long, (laughs) but, um. It's just one of those movies, like, you you remember it, and you you can remember such detail about it. And it just kind of shows what kind of style of a writer Stephen King is, and and it just goes to show how well this was directed and put together, that it's such a, a standout movie, and it, it sticks to you so well. Um, as, as we've said about most of Stephen King's movies and books, the, the, the character development is phenomenal. And I think that, I think the fact that for, for me, for this movie, the fact that he was able to develop these characters, not only as children, but then again, as adults, and he's, you know, he's doing character development, essentially, on two different people. And for them to be able to do that in a three hour movie and show their growth from childhood to adulthood and show the development from childhood to adulthood and still properly develop the child character and properly develop the adult character in that time span on what, how many? One, two, three, seven. four, five, seven, seven, now, and we'll, then we'll some. say six because we'll take stand out stand, for yeah. the adult part. So like on that many people, like it just, it's, it's amazing how it was done. And on top of that, there's still development on Pennywise. Like you, you get like a, a shot of like, you're seeing in the book, like different errors that he's been in and you're seeing this progression of who he is. And I think it, it's just such a well done movie. Um, the CGI kind of took away from me. Like it, like this, the, the end, like that kind of like, it, I, it's not necessarily CGI. Is it the it, part where like, he pulls the Yeah, channel? like that whole fucking, like the whole last half just had like, just not well done like effects you know what i mean like the spider took away from me the even the part when they're like looking and all the bodies are like webbed to the wall like even that like it was done okay but it was like it still was kind of cheesy so like there there are certain things that that take away from it i prefer movies that have more of like the lighting the cinematography and stuff like that but i also would rather have good developed characters than all of that together because mm-hmm. I think that really makes or breaks a movie. So for me, I'm gonna give uh, it a, an eight point seven. I think that's fair. Um, this is 
easily one of my most remembered horror movies from being a kid. I watched it really frequently, like for a three-hour movie. I, I, I watched it a lot. You said Rose Red, too, you've seen a bunch of times, too, for a five-hour movie. Yeah. She's a glutton for punishment when it comes to movies, I swear. I, I love Rose Red, too, and that movie I've probably watched easily 12, 13 times, maybe. Rose Red is the perfect, like... If it's rainy and like you have the day off and you're just sitting at your house to just throw on, like when when that happening. hurricane, if that hurricane hits us and we don't lose electricity right away, that'll that's the movie you should watch. Okay, I have it. Deal. Um, All right, borrowing it. Yeah, it's one of my favorite movies from from um, when I was younger, and um, I just feel like when I was a kid, you can relate so much to the kids in it and and wanting that type of friendship and and mm-hmm. you know having having those like those friends that you'll never forget as a child and and I think honestly more so than the horror I think that's where it pulls you in for the first half of the movie is that like want for friends like that uh and then the second half I feel that now I can relate more so to the second half and watch it and understand where the the adults are coming from and why they're so scared because I feel like the kids were it was so important to protect each other that they forgot about how dangerous what they were doing was Versus adults are like, whoa, yeah. we've got a lot on the line with this, you know? This is dangerous. Um, uh, which is almost sad because you do see the the kind of um, fearlessness that kids have uh, disappear as they grow older and they forget. And I think I think that's kind of sad in its own way. But um, it's, it, it is a great movie. Um, phenomenal. If you've never seen it, like, where have you been, man? Get on it. Come on, you know. Uh, definitely, if you're if if you can't watch long movies, maybe it's not the movie for you, because it is over three hours long. Um, but it is fantastic. Uh, I'm gonna give it a eight point nine. The first part of this movie, phenomenal. The second part, it kind of was lacking a little bit for me. Um, like you said, Erica. Like I love seeing movies that are just shot like arti- very artistically and this I feel like it was very, very much straightforward. it was straightforward and it was all <laughs> characters like the characters were the focus that was it and I'm fine with it for this movie normally I wouldn't be but for this movie like they did such a great job in making mm-hmm. it relatable that it didn't bother me as much and especially like I had said last episode I don't really like horror movies that focus on kids the entire time and this took something that I don't like and I enjoyed it. So for that reason, I think it's special for me. Um, and it just the nostalgia of it, just like you said, Sierra, everybody has some sort of memory of watching it when they were younger and it makes it special for everyone in their own way. So the first part of this movie or miniseries, whatever you want to refer to it as, I would give a 10 out of 10. The second part, I would give a six out of 10. So I'm gonna meet in the middle and give it an eight out of ten. That's fair. So the or the average horror haven rating is an eight point five. Eight point five, and I think that's solid. fair. I think that's solid. The Instagram average rating was also an eight point five. Um, for the most part, you guys had a lot of great things to say about the movie, and it seems like everybody's really hyped for the remake. Please check this movie out if you haven't already. It's seriously, seriously phenomenal. And go watch the remake gonna be good i hope i hope i hope i hope go see it in driving that's what we're doing be cool like us if you're listening to this and it's friday the movie's out you may have already seen it (laughs) you may have already seen it so um 
hit us up on our Instagram and let us know what you thought of the remake. We'll definitely be posting um, stuff about the remake. Our review uh, of it. There's going to be a review on the website for it, for sure, written by probably me, maybe Erica. Maybe we'll combine it and we'll write a novel about our ratings on the new movie. But with that being said, thank you all for listening. Uh, check out, uh, check us out on social media. You can find us at Instagram at Horror Haven Podcast, Facebook at Horror Haven Podcast, and you can check out our website, HorrorHavenMedia.com. Tune in next week. We're going to be covering the Blair Witch films. We're going to cover the Blair Witch Project, Book of Shadows, and Blair Witch from 2016. Uh, yeah, it's 2016 because you saw it when we got married. <laughs> one of my favorites. One of, too. one of Erica's favorites. <laughs> it should be a pretty good episode. So check it out. I'm also, not excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be me and Dylan. Yeah. It's going to be like, fuck you guys. It's, like, it's the same fucking movie. Yes, don't spoil it. It's an episode. Sorry. All right. Have a good night. Good night. Deuces.